Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, a special Wednesday edition of this show. As I was traveling earlier this week at the main headquarters for North Star Travel Group, the parent company of Travel Pulse, and I was in the office as we were working through the redesign of TravelPulse.com. That's launching soon, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be great. So I'm out for spring break next week, so no show, but we're going to be talking spring break travel today. And joining me on the show now is not one, but two guests this week. First, Michelle Lindsay of Blue Point Travel, and second, Stacey McEwen of Vacations Unlimited. Welcome to the show, Michelle and Stacey. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Michelle, first. Well, thanks so much, Eric, for having us on the show today. We appreciate the chance to talk to you and your listeners. Uh, I am the owner of Blue Point Travel, located here in Gross Point Park, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Uh, my agency services mostly family travel, adults fulfilling those bucket list trips. And I view my job as taking the logistics of travel out of the brain space of my clients because they're busy working professionals and it's my job to make travel easy and seamless for them. Hi. Yeah. I'll just echo kind of what Michelle said that we really appreciate being here um, and being some guests of yours today. I am Stacey McEwen, and I am in Alpena, Michigan, which is about four hours north of Detroit. Um, We are on the beautiful Lake Huron up here, and um, I've been in the industry for 24 years. I am co-owner of Vacations Unlimited up here, and um, I kind of do any kind of travel, basically, but the bulk of my sales are right now. It's everybody wanting to get out of the cold weather and get on spring break. I love that. Yes, that is going to be the theme of our show this week. Later on, we're going to dive into what's trending this spring break travel season. And, um, you know, two people from Michigan here on the show, they've got a lot of clients who want to escape that snow. I love Michigan. It's a great place to visit and be. And I have some family up there. My dad's from there. But yeah, this time of year, you want to get away and uh, get away from that snow for sure, because it's been a lot of snow for uh, a lot of cold for for too long. So it's time to get some warmth out there. Um, But first, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast. We're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with air travel news and the big one that dropped yesterday afternoon. The U.S. Department of Justice filed a lawsuit on Tuesday to block JetBlue's $3.8 billion merger with Spirit Airlines. The Justice Department said in its complaint, quote, JetBlue's plan would eliminate the unique competition that Spirit provides and about half of all ultra low cost airline seats in the industry. And it would leave tens of millions of travelers to face higher fares and fewer options, end quote. So, Michelle and Stacy, your thoughts on all this ordeal? We'll, we'll kick it off with you, Michelle, first. Well, I can tell you that I think a little competition is always a good thing. When clients have a choice, then I think that elevates the industry for everyone. So, um I understand, you know, we have antitrust laws here in the U.S. Uh, and can see the reasoning of why the Justice Department would would try and intervene. But honestly, I think the, the merger between JetBlue and Spirit would be fantastic for competition. It would be great for clients and it would give the legacy carriers, uh, you know, a little bit of a nudge to start looking at how they're servicing their clients and their pricing. Well, you know, I I kind of agree with with almost all of that. And I, I really think well, pretty much everything she said, but what I think when I look at this is, um, you know, for me, I look at it from a customer service standpoint, like, you know, 
is it going to better spirits customer service? Because quite honestly, that's an issue that I've encountered with them in the past. It's not necessarily their flights and that kind of thing, not being up to par with the the larger carriers, but it's their customer service. And so I look at something like this and think it could really benefit that. And and I really think that's spirits weak spot. So, you know, I'm I'm all for it. Agreed. Yeah. And I know one of our uh, airline columnists too, Rich Tomaselli posted a uh, post this morning on well, his thoughts on the whole matter. And I tend to agree with that, that maybe there's a little bit too much of uh, a government intervention here and then trying right. to go past, um, I don't want to say right the wrongs, but of, well, you know, they never stepped in on the previous mergers over the, over the past Agreed. decades here. And now Agreed. you're jumping in on this and it's like, well, is it really is this really the time to jump in like just because you didn't in the past when this uh, yeah i disagree with with what um the justice department's saying on you know creating higher fares because uh, it, maybe it does that a little bit but overall i think yeah competition is, is good for the industry here and the customer service would increase for sure for spirit and you maybe wouldn't yeah. have so many crazy videos on wild antics on them and hurting their pr and all that stuff so i, I yeah right. i wish it would have I'm not, I'm not too surprised at the just the way things had gone over the last month over rumblings that were rumored around and stuff on on this being you know going to be blocked so here we are and it, yeah it's unfortunate for for some of those shareholders that were hoping for a big payout on but i mean some of them probably don't really need that money but i mean yeah, right. that's, that's another yeah. story i guess but yeah. um yeah, well, we'll see where, where this goes from here. I know that Spirit and, and JetBlue said that they came out with their own statements and said they're going to you know do what they can to to make this continue to happen and stuff. But yeah, the the saga continues on this. I was ready for it to just like, <laughs> let's get it done. Let's move forward. Let's, you know, Absolutely. get it going. This, but, well, yeah. right. and, there, and there seems to be a groundswell of support from the employees, both at Spirit and at JetBlue, yes. which is the heart of the airline. Yes. They're the folks that are on the front lines. And if they feel that this is going to help them do their job better, then I'm all for it. Like Stacy said, we want to make sure that, you know, customer service exactly. is the highest quality, um, you know, and make sure everybody's taken care of. And I think that it would be great to, have each of those carriers be able to, they could expand their footprints. I know here in Detroit, it would be phenomenal to have, you know, JetBlue have a little bit more of a share out here. I know my East Coast clients love flying JetBlue. Um, so if we can kind of, you know, bring a little bit of that to the Midwest and balance out what Spirit offers and what they lack and bring it up to that service level of JetBlue, it's a win-win for everybody. I agree because honest, I'm piggybacking on that. I think that bringing a little bit more of that JetBlue product to Detroit will also kind of force the other carriers, you know, Delta is so big here, um, to kind of have to compete even a little bit more than they already do with just Spirit. I think that they'll be their, their hand will be forced a little bit more if it's JetBlue. Absolutely. Yep. Then in other big air travel news, though, it's it's all about family seating. Uh, President Biden is calling on the U.S. airlines to eliminate family seating fees. Him and his administration said that travelers should not have to pay extra to sit with their children, and it's time for more airlines to follow suit. Biden saying, quote, baggage fees are bad enough. Airlines can't treat your child like a piece of baggage, end quote. So a few <laughs> days later, the U.S. Department of Transportation introduced a new family seating dashboard that highlights the U.S. airlines that guarantee family seating at no cost and reveals which carriers currently charge as the department works to ban family seating junk fees entirely. So Michelle and Stacy, your thoughts on family seating? Is this, uh, have you guys had to deal well, with this at an advisor level? 
Go ahead. So here's here's the deal. I really feel I can't I feel pretty strongly about this just because, you know, these carriers that they're coming at for this, they came out with the basic fare and they did that to kind of try to compete with the, the smaller airlines who do the bear fares and things like that. And so there are options for families to purchase main cabin fares where the seat assignments for their family is already included in that cost. So I guess I'm just, you know, I feel like if, if you're traveling with your kids and that's really important to you, then, you know, you purchase the main cabin is, is what I'm thinking. You know, the, the basic fares to get that discounted fare, you know, there's always kind of drawbacks to certain things and not having those seat assignments is one of those things. And, you know, if it's important to you, purchase main cabin. I agree with Stacy. I'm, I'm a bit torn on this because again, the legacy carriers have these basic fares, basic yeah. economy where you're, you're taking a gamble. It's a little bit of Russian roulette when you purchase that fare and you know that going in. Um, right. Obviously nobody wants to separate parents with kids. I just had a family that booked spring break kind of last minute. They have three kids, two, two adults, we did the best that we could with seat assignments and they're going to have to sweet talk the gate agent on their <laughs> flight home or buy someone a drink to swap, you know, seats for their last child to be in the same row as, as mom or dad. Um, so I understand it's a sensitive subject, especially when right. you're talking about kids that are under age 12, um, yeah. you don't want them separated and you know, Eric, you can trust us on this. There is no solo traveler who wants to be sitting next to somebody's three-year-old right. on a yeah. flight, no matter no. How, how long that flight is. Um, but on the flip side of that, um, I would hate to see any type of new rule abuse where people would book a lower fare knowing yep. that they were just going to be guaranteed those seats. If it's a priority, like Stacy said, then right. you need to factor that into your budget and that may be $15 a seat or $20 a seat right. and, and you need to you need to you need to factor that in there are too many variables with um, seating configuration what if there's a plane change I understand looking at the dashboard the proposed dashboard that there'll be different rules for carriers like Southwest that have that have open seating so our our families with kids under age 13 going to be guaranteed that early bird, um, you know, uh, seating right. on the plane or the, in, in that first boarding group. I think there's a lot of complexities to, to yeah. look at because we want to make sure that one, families are taken care of, but also solo travelers who are, you know, perhaps have paid for a preferred seat, an aisle or a window, um, and if they're the ones that have to change, are they going to be either compensated by the airline? Um, you know, what what can we do to make sure that everybody is 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 treated in, in a fair way? Right. Understandable. Yeah, I, I, it's American Airlines, Alaska Airlines and Frontier Airlines. They all were the ones that made decisions uh, pretty swiftly after 
you know, pressure mm-hmm. from um, Biden's administration in the Department of Transportation over the last few weeks here and everything. But air travels is rebounding. You know, Fe- January and February, TSA screened more passengers compared to 2019. There's more people in the skies. There's more crazy people, too. Just in the last week, we've <laughs> yeah. already seen stories on a drunk man urinating right. on another passenger, another flight, a man tried to stab the flight attendant and open the emergency door. Plus, you know, there's crazy stories of in the last week right. about turbulence and causing injuries and a bird strike led to emergency landing with smoke filled the cabin. So for me, families should always sit together. And I know it's, you know, it's a thing with the cost and stuff, but I'm, I'm government, you know, the government, the airlines got their bailouts from the government. So if the government says, hey, you know, you're going to make this mandatory, we're going to make families seating a priority, then I think they should do it. I'm, I'm, I'm for all families always sitting together at all times and making that happen. So a little different take, I guess, on that. But yeah, well, I'm curious, listeners, your thoughts too. podcast at travelpulse.com. You can drop an email on your thoughts on all this air travel news has been a big one, but we're going to jump over to destination news to keep this moving here. And Europe had some big news over the last um, week here. They're going to, uh, it's known that we're, they're going to charge travelers for entry, but now that's being pushed back to 2024, originally intended to debut in early 2022, but pandemic complications saw it pushed back first to January of 23 and then May of 23, 23. And now it's going to be sometime in 2024. So there's no set date on that, but it's going to be a fee of seven euros which will uh, go into effect so michelle and stacy uh your thoughts on europe charging an entry no big deal or cause for concern for some travelers i mean it is only seven euros so i'm, I'm curious a lot of extra steps though a lot of extra steps but i don't think it's any different than many of the other destinations that um that our clients are are traveling to like you said it's seven euros so it's an, a nominal for, um, you know, when you're looking at your trip to Europe as a whole. So I don't think it's going to be a barrier to, to folks not wanting to go and, and visit those European countries. I agree with that. I think that um, it's, it's really not going to deter anybody that, that wants to travel. It's not that high of a cost. Um, the only thing that I could see a drawback would be is um you know, there's so much technology involved in all kinds of travel right now. And um, I think that the older population is finding it a little bit more difficult to travel right now. So I think that this is just kind of a little extra layer for them. If, you know, it, it does happen and they have an extra step to take online and, and things like that, that kind of stuff is a little bit more difficult for the senior population. Duly noted, yes, and uh, that's why they got to make sure they're working with travel advisors, so the travel that's advisor right. can, can help guide them in all that on all that stuff. So yeah, twenty twenty four is going to be a big year for Europe, and it's Paris specifically. The Notre Dame Cathedral is now set for a twenty twenty four reopening, so that's great news after the fire from twenty nineteen. So Paris is definitely yes. going to be more crowded in twenty four. I think Europe in general, we're going to see a big summer here, and I'm sure you guys Huge. are already seeing a big spring break yeah, a little yes. bit too. So it's it's going to be uh, some big money coming in for Europe. So my thing is, you know, are individual countries going to then see that, okay, wow, people are still coming here and they're paying this Europe fee. Let's add our own fee in to a destination, right. which, you know, some of those destinations probably should just because, you know, that will help them with their over tourism and everything. But as right. long as they're putting those dollars to good use, which you yeah, have that, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue for a number of travelers, but the technology thing could could be something. So moving over to other destination news. Last week, we had a huge report called the Envisioning Tourism in 2030 and Beyond. Excuse me. It's the industry voices are calling for a global effort to bring about climate ready travel 
And as part of that report, groups are urging tourism and transportation industries to be fully accountable for their greenhouse gas emissions and encouraging these companies to invest in climate-friendly technologies. Several travel and tourism companies, as well as destinations, are um, supporting this report, including the government of Chile, Intrepid Travel, Iberostar, World Bank Group, Pacific Tour- Tourism Organization, Tour Radar, Expedia Group, and many more. Uh, additionally, last week, we ran this feature on Travel Pulse on the role that travel advisors play in advancing sustainability and got some interesting feedback on that one as well. So I'm curious, Michelle and Stacy, how often does sustainability come up from your clients? How much is it discussed from suppliers on your end? Just curious your overall thoughts on uh, advisors and their role with sustainable travel. Well, I can say that it is a conversation that I do have with clients fairly frequently. About half of my clients um, are cruise clients. So we talk about the role of cruise lines um, as we're looking at climate change, global warming, and that's something that they want to know, you know, what are the policies of the cruise lines? What type of fuel are the cruise lines using? You know, seeing the shift from uh, single-use plastics being eliminated on most of the cruise ships and in a lot of the larger hotel chains, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And I think that travelers want to make sure that they're experiencing a destination um, and kind of like following that, was it Smokey Bear who would say, leave, leave no trace, right? When you're out and you're camping and you're in the woods, you want to make sure that you take everything with you. Um it's one thing to uh, it's one thing to purchase carbon offsets, for example, with airlines and and cruise ships, but really, you know, making the steps to uh, convert the energy that they're that they're using, being able to plug into ports. I know celebrity cruises can do that with their newest ship, the Celebrity Beyond, um, and just making sure that you're a good steward of the environment. I think uh, I think that's something that's important to to a lot of people. So the crazy, so the crazy part about this is that <laughs> we're both from Michigan and Michelle gets yeah. asked this a lot. And in my 24 years, I can honestly say I've never been asked that by a client ever. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not aware of it. And I know what the cruise lines are doing. I know what the resorts are doing. And even our suppliers, when we're at conferences and things like that, talking about what they're doing um, for sustainability and climate change and the environment, it, it has become a part of their dialogue. And so that's really nice. Um, and you can always find the information too. So if I did have a client come to me and they had certain requests about, you know, um, a more environmental friendly vacation or the cruise line information or resort, you know, they do make that very readily available. And I do think our suppliers are now doing a much better job of, um, making that up just a part of what they're talking about. Agreed. Yeah. And I like to see that there is more talk about it, but I, I want to see more action with this. And I yeah. know that, you know, it's certainly important for advisors to play a role in that, but yeah, the consumers, they're going to ask about it if, if that's what they're really passionate about. But a lot of people aren't. They 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 say <laughs> right. they say they might be, and then like, yeah, that'd be cool if we, if we did things. But well, I'm not gonna. That's that's somebody else's role, you know. That's somebody else's right. thing. Exactly. A lot right. of people think like that, and that's why I think it's really more on the supplier side and and really the C-suite people, you, your executives up there. You know, right. if you you're gonna talk the talk, and then let's see you walk the walk on on some of these things, and show me show me which green you really care about, because I know it's money. But it's uh, let, let's <laughs> right. let's hope that you care a little bit more about yeah. the green of the earth too a little bit. So that wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. Uh, a lot of things that we didn't get to it was a crazy busy week in travel as uh, things pick up with spring break going on. Any additional thoughts? You can drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump into the theme of the week on spring break travel. 
And let's start it off with Stacy. What types of travel are you seeing trending this spring break season? And then um, Michelle, you jump in after. Well, you know, it's, it's always, you know, for me, I always think it's all about geography of where you're located. Um, and that really kind of drives the popular places of what you're selling. I'm in Northern Michigan, which is really cold right now. So warm weather destinations are driving um, my sales right now. And, you know, Mexico is probably my biggest destination this spring break. Uh, Florida would be right there behind it. Um, but then I also really like that cruises have increased just hugely this year, fortunately, um, coming back. So I think that, um, you know, for me, it's just, it's the warm weather destinations. Michelle? Absolutely. So even though, even though I'm about four hours south of Stacy, it's still pretty <laughs> cold here. My clients for spring break, it's, it's a, they echo the similar sentiment. Everybody wants to get out of Dodge and be someplace right. warm. And that could be anywhere. Um, I'm seeing folks this year heading out to Las Vegas, Mexico, Jamaica, the Dominican Republic, um, right. cru- cruising Eastern and Western Caribbean. And then I do have a few families that are headed to Europe for spring break. Um, so that was a trend I started to see back in December, I want to say, um, and it's spring break, not only for the, um, kids that are K through 12, but I have a a segment of clients, their kids are in college. And I have a a handful of people where they're traveling to Europe because their kids are studying abroad. So they're taking the Mm -hmm. opportunity to go to their spring break. So I had a family um, go to Paris and Barcelona last week for a college semester spring break. And then some of these families that are headed to different parts of Italy for the same thing. So that's, that's an interesting trend that um, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see. And it makes me excited because I have a kid going to college next year. So maybe she'll go someplace cool and I can join her for spring break. <laughs> Definitely. I, I wish that I had done study abroad in college and my wife does too. Yes. So I, highly encourage that for, for anyone that they should definitely get out there. Are, are you seeing um, multi-gen trips or is that where you are? Is that sort of more lining up to, to summertime on this? Obviously family it, is big for spring break, but I'm, I'm curious yeah. on, on that. I think multi-gen trips for me, it's a lot that's more summer focused um, for spring break. It's family travel. Um, I definitely have more people, families that are willing to travel this year. Um, than, than last year, more couples traveling for spring break. Um, but multi-gen is definitely, I mean, the uptick is there for multi-gen. It's just not for spring break. It's more summer focused for me. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think I have, uh, I have two multi-gen families traveling over spring break. Um, you know, the, the grandkids or, or cousins that happen to have the same school break this year. So the stars were all aligned, but the multi-gen travel I'm seeing is a lot of that is, is pushing more towards the summer. Interesting. Yeah. I guess it's just uh summertime alludes more to that for, for bigger gatherings and maybe longer gatherings uh, for some as well. So you guys touched on destinations a little bit for, for 
uh, where people are headed. But um, Allianz came out with their data and their most popular U.S. and international spring break travel destinations. Domestically, Orlando, Florida took the top spot. Again, not no yep. surprise there. Theme park mm-hmm. capital of the yeah. world. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> um, yeah. Rounding in number two, that was Phoenix, Arizona, which kind of surprised me as number two. But uh, New York came in third. <laughs> Las Vegas, uh, four. And then Los Angeles, five. And then internationally, Cancun, Mexico, no surprise. Yeah. And Mexico really dominating the list, too. So uh, Los Cabos was number two, Nassau, Bahamas, number three, Puerto Vallarta, number four, and Montego Bay, number five. We've got the full list up on travelpulse.com if you guys want to check that out. But yeah, anything jump out to you just from their list? Um, I actually, you know, I agree about the uh, Arizona. I have had more Arizona bookings in the last year. I mean, not necessarily just spring break focus, but I, but Arizona travel has definitely seen an uptick. Stacey, we're on the same wavelength today because yeah. I was going to say I've had a lot of clients, um, and again, not in particular families, but couples right. heading out to the Phoenix and Scottsdale area just mm-hmm. to take advantage of the the you know the warm, dry weather, uh, fantastic food opportunities, great golf, you know, tennis all year round. Like you, you just can't beat it. But I also think that it might be seeing an uptick now just because. You know, right after COVID, U.S. destinations were so popular. You know, Mm -hmm. people were a little intimidated to go international with the um, testing and that kind of thing. And I think that people really explored more within our own country. And Arizona was one of those locations that really saw more travelers. And I think because of that, you kind of have this word of mouth now where people have seen other people's pictures on social media and different things like that. So now it's really just starting to take off, I think, from that. Yeah, spread it. Word of mouth is uh is powerful on that, especially for, right. you know for for U.S. destinations jumping in your own backyard and, and exploring things. So New York is usually up there high, and not surprised they they fell off. You know, and if you look at other other previous years, uh, pandemic years, um, the last couple. But yeah, and good to see them back in in three big bigger cities. You know, no surprise picking right. up, and then yeah, Cancun um, reigns supreme. It, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when they could be unseated for spring break number one spot for international for american either. travelers <laughs> yeah right so many options down there so as we uh continue on with spring break discussion i'm curious you know what do you find that you need most from suppliers as advisors yourself how, how do you think suppliers out there can better help you this spring season as you progress forward in 2023 um shell we'll start with you i would say uh as long as they follow the philosophy of expect the worst and hope for the best that's that's kind of what what we need having that in destination support available um, you know having their their call centers and in travel lines ready to jump in and assist when we've got issues with whether it's flights or hotel check-ins transportation as long as those suppliers are prepared you know with their their service reps then i think that's the best thing that they can do for us i know that um you know, again, like Stacy and I both have kids, so we're also often traveling during spring mm-hmm. break. So we rely on, you know, not just only other advisors to help and back us up, but we do rely on the on the suppliers to be ready to jump in at a moment's notice. Right. I completely agree with that. I think availability is really the the biggest thing that they can do to help. And um, you know, just being able to be responsive with the twenty four hour 
China during travel help number. But then even in addition to that, a couple of our suppliers have recently decreased their hours of operation. And this time of year, that's so difficult, you know, because I would love to say that, you know, our job is nine to five, but we all know that it is not. (laughs) Exactly. And most of the time it's after 7 p.m. or after 9 p.m., especially this time of year. And so we really need our suppliers to have those hours that are open and extended this time of year. Yeah, communication is key and, and being there for you guys is so important. You know, if something goes wrong and like you said, the after hours is, is that's usually when it happens, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but absolutely. And, and I think advisors out there listening to, and, and I think you guys would agree too, that you guys are going to lean on those suppliers that are there for you in those tough times. And you're going to remember that someone didn't help you out so much at 9 p.m., whereas maybe someone else right. was there for you. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I mean, when you get that phone call or a text message and you are, uh, you're in the Eastern time zone and you've got somebody who is in Europe, for example, right? We're talking about a big, a big gap there. It's nice to know that there's in-destination help if they need it. But like Stacey said, our job is really 24-7 when our clients are in destination. So, you know, we're ready to jump in and we just need to know that we've got suppliers that have our backs. Yeah, yes. and, yeah. and your clients are in destinations quite often. So suppliers need to need to remember that, that yeah, right. 24-7, mm-hmm. it, it's on. Yep. So lastly here, Absolutely. as we close out, um, what would be your advice to fellow advisors right now to make the most of this spring season, Stacey? Well, you know, I think that the biggest recommendation I can give is don't wait for the spring season to have high sales in the spring season. You know, I will start pushing for my spring break travelers to start booking in May and June and July. Like that's when I'm booking, that's when I'm looking, that's when I'm marketing it. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Just don't wait to really give that spring break push, you know, try to get people on board early. I completely agree, Stacy. I would say the best thing that advisors out there can do, especially if you're looking to start to really grow your business, capitalize on the FOMO now. Because mm-hmm. anyone who did not book spring break or who's saying, oh my gosh, I, you know, uh, spring break is in two weeks. Where can I go? You need to be putting out on your socials where your clients are traveling, the experiences that they're having, and start to encourage people to book early for 2024 because that's how they're going to get the resort of their choice. That's how they're going to get, you know, the, the best pricing for airfare if they want to start a group, it lets everybody kind of come together, make those decisions early, put a put a plan in place and just get right get right to it. Because yeah. I think we all have seen, especially, you know, since the world has opened up post COVID, that folks are ready to travel. We thought last summer was a boom and this summer is going to completely explode and that carries over. Um, yes. into into those school calendars, whether it's a, a midwinter break that some districts have around the country, spring break, graduation trips, capitalize on the FOMO and start getting them to book as far ahead as they can. Excellent advice. Yes, because the FOMO is going to be uh, rich coming up here soon for a lot of people. It's already happening, you know, as college kids are out and about. And then I know down south here where I live, a lot of spring break uh, family trips are like the first week of April when school is out and everything. So there's still still time to set a plan in place of uh, how are you going to market 
yourself as an advisor out there to get the most of your business because i'm sure you're going to get you guys will probably experience this too you're going to get someone to call you up and say oh that place looks great can i go there this summer and then the availability might be pretty slim there so yeah, push push to next year i guess because booking early is is the really the new trend that a lot of people really need to embrace and jump on right Absolutely. I had clients that called in last June for their senior year spring break. But before school was over, they wanted to have spring break booked. And on the other side, I've had clients that called about a month, six weeks ago saying, hey, we want to join our friends at this particular resort and the resort sold out. So, you know, there's there's a finite number of, of hotel rooms out there. So get in early if you want, if you want to be at the place where your friends are going to be. Right. And I also think that people assume that the best pricing is going to be, oh, if I book in January or February, I'm okay. And I'm going to get some really good last minute pricing when really pricing is based on availability. And, you know, the sooner the better on that. Indeed, because prices are continuing to rise, as we all know. And right. I don't know when that's Absolutely. ever going to come down. Tears streaming down my face as I look at my bank account and try yeah. to figure out where can I go. You know, right? I'm not. I'm, there's <laughs> a lot of people a out there. Crystal ball. <laughs> if we had, a, if we had a crystal ball. Well, again, post COVID, the rules of engagement have changed. There is no more last minute deal. Uh, right. If you want a deal, plan out as far ahead as you can. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking times out of your busy, busy schedule here in the thick of spring break time to talk travel and, and spring break as well. So um, just lastly, just uh, where can our listeners uh, find you on the socials or get in touch with you if they have any questions or want to reach out? I am uh, Stacey McEwen and I'm on Facebook so they can find me on Facebook. And I also have a travel group called Stacey's Travel Trips and Tips on Facebook. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. So you can find me at Blue Point Travel and that is Point with an E, just like the town Gross Point for the movie Gross Point Blank. Thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks again to Stacy and Michelle for jumping on and talking all things spring break travel. That's all we have for this week's edition of the show. There's going to be no show next week as I will be doing some spring break traveling myself. Got a media event in Orlando, Florida for Walt Disney World and the new roller coaster of Tron. So stay tuned for coverage on that of TravelPulse.com and all your news that you need there. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. If you could leave a review wherever you do listen, I would greatly appreciate that. You can reach out at podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email. We also have a hotline 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.